Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. My name is Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and you are tuned into the podcast exclusively about animation springing from the world of comic books. Welcome to episode 32. And this is a very special episode because we are kicking off our month-long celebration of Matt Spectro through the Christmas verse. Ho, ho, ho. As for the whole month of December, we are going to be talking comic book animation revolving around the holidays, Christmas. Let me briefly explain the rules. Number one, we're talking comic book animation. I just said that. Pay attention. Number two. Huge fan of uh, Marvel Team-Up. DC Comics presents Brave and the Bold Marvel 2-in-1. So this is a team-up podcast every week. It's me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Three, most important, we got to have fun. And technically, we got four rules now because it's got to be about Christmas. Let me just say Merry Christmas, everyone. Before we get into the episode kicking off our first Christmas episode, I'm going to bring my guest. It's been a while. He was on episode one. Please welcome to the universe, my older brother travis hello thanks for having me back i should i said welcome but i should have said welcome back this is true it's good to be back i had fun the first time merry christmas we're kicking off matt spectra through the christmas verse you gotta love christmas oh yeah i'm a big fan and i love all the little specials and tie-ins to stuff so this week last time you're on we talked superman this time we're staying in the dc universe we're going to be talking the justice league of america yep their uh, first cartoon the original Big Seven. Uh, it was a great series. I loved it a lot. As much as Batman is a big deal, I, the Justice League was my favorite of the uh, the DC cartoons. All right, a little bit of backstory before we get into the uh, Christmas theme here. They uh, obviously first created by uh, Gardner Fox back in Brave and the Bold 28 back in 1960. What was that? Uh, 60 years? 60 years ago. They've been around for a long time. Good Lord, that is a crazy. And the Justice League cartoon uh, debuted back in 2001. We discussed it in a few early episodes. We're not going to get that much into it, but developed by Bruce Tim. Basically, they had done Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, so they decided to bring them all back with the Justice League. Something I always ask about the Justice League, the cartoon. When it first appeared, they decided to change things up a little bit. Instead of the original Big Seven, they did not have Aquaman or Hal Jordan. They brought on John Stewart and Hot Girl. What do you think about that change? I didn't have a big problem with that. I mean, I know the original theory was we can't just have seven white guys standing around saving the world. But I've always been a big fan of John Stewart. He was one of my favorite Green Lanterns, so that was cool. And I like Hot Girl. I thought she was a good idea to bring in as we need another girl because she was always a fun character. But because she was Hawkman's sidekick, she never really got to do a ton in the comics. So this was a chance for her to get the spotlight and become a character on her own. And then when that happened, the comics did more with her as well. So I thought that was a good deal. See, some people complain I was fine with it because 
it would have been more offensive if they had just made Hal Jordan black. They actually found an existing black character and yeah. brought him on. And they found an existing female character. They didn't do a female Aquaman. They brought an existing female member of the Justice League into the group. Oh, well, that's what I like. I mean, I don't have a problem with the we must have diversity thing. I think that's a good thing. Everybody should be able to see themselves in these, in comics and cartoons. But yeah, my problem is when we just kind of change things around for no reason dig into your history of the franchise you're working in if you need a black guy or you need another girl do some research read some back issues find a black guy and another girl they're all there especially yeah with comics like the justice league you got 60 years of history and a membership of four dozen characters if not more you're going to find the characters you need and you can make them popular and a big deal so for anyone who doesn't know uh the Justice League, the concert came around because uh, back in the golden age, the Justice Society of America was a thing where they brought, they were the first ever superhero team that brought the existing characters, all the big ones, into a big group. So when the Silver Age came around and Gardner Fox, Julia Swartz, they uh, had brought back new versions of those characters. They figured, why not do the same thing? And they brought all the characters back into one big series. Plus, some people over the years have... I don't agree with this, but they got really hung up on the big seven concept that later on became like in the late nineties became like the thing where people got obsessed where the Justice League had to be the big seven. And I don't personally agree with that concept. I mean, I like them, but the Justice League has had so many members that getting locked into it must be this always seemed like you're kind of limiting yourself. There's some fun stories with them, but with so many of them having their own titles, you were kind of limited what you could do. If you had a whole bunch of B-listers around them as well, then you had more opportunities to tell stories and do stuff with them. I like almost all versions of the Justice League. I, I love the Detroit League. I will admit that. So any level of Justice League is good for me. I think they're a great team, and there's a, a huge amount of characters to play with. And then I think they debunked the whole Big Seven because they went into Justice League Unlimited where they had almost every member of the Justice League ever and did different stories every week. Oh, yeah. No, I love Justice League Unlimited. That show was insane. Where It was just them cutting loose going, we're just going to do whatever we want. And we're just going to use anybody we want. And it was so many characters that you thought you'd never see in a cartoon. So, like I said, it's Matt Spectrum into the Christmas verse, And we are going to go back to December 13, 2003. The Justice League episode, Comfort and Joy. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I almost had forgotten this episode existed until I started trying to put together Christmas episodes for the podcast. Well, I was going through episode listings looking for one, and I, I had a vague memory that they had done a Christmas episode, but I kept thinking it was um, for the man who did everything, for who has everything, the Superman one, but that was about his birthday. And yeah, I actually missed it the first time because I thought it was a Justice League Unlimited episode. And apparently, um, from my little bit of research, it is one of the only single episode stories they did in the original Justice League series. Everything else was like a two or three parter. Yep, it is the first standalone episode they did of the Justice League. Now, uh, Justice League also ran originally on the Cartoon Network, like I had said, developed by Bruce Timm, who had worked on the previous one. This episode is directed by a Butch uh, Lukic, I believe he said his name, who was directed a lot of the Justice League episodes and written by uh, the uh, great Paul Dini, who you should all know created Harley Quinn, worked on Batman the Animated Series, worked on uh, Superman the Animated Series. He wrote episodes of Creepshow. He wrote episodes of Brave and the Bold. If you know anything about comic book animation especially, you should know who Paul Dini is. This is the, uh, like I said, the uh, Christmas episode going back to 2003. 
And uh, we are going to uh, get into who the credit or credit is due section. We only discuss the characters that appear on this episode. Superman, created by Jerry Seigel and Joel Schuster. Voiced by one George uh, Newbern, who uh, originally Tim Daly from Wings had done the voice on Superman the Animated Series, but he was unable to commit. So they brought in George, who uh, most famously was the son-in-law in the Father of the Bride films. I did not know that. Green Lantern, specifically John Stewart, created by one Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, the late, great Denny O'Neill. He's voiced by uh, Phil Lamar, who has done uh, many voice acting. He's Hermes Conrad on Futurama. He did the voice of Static Shock on uh, the Static Shock cartoon. He also played Marvin in Pulp Fiction. He's one of those guys who you see his name on so much stuff. Uh, Jean Jaws, the Martian Manhunter, created by, and maybe you can help me with this pronunciation, Joseph Samoxon and Joe Serta. And he's voiced by one uh, Carl Lumbly. Who who got to play the Martian Manhunter's dad in the live-action Supergirl. Correct. He's got Uh, a big history with superheroes. Mirin John, I believe is how you say his name. Yeah. He also played Dick Halloran in the Doctor Sleep film. He's um, Isaiah in The Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Don't hold that against him. Hawk Girl. This is the Silver Age Hawk Girl, created by Gardner Fox and Joe Kubert. And a Maria Canales voiced her. Maria Canales Barrera. She had been Sunset Boulevard on The Proud Family. She also played Paulina on Danny Phantom. Uh, I believe she's done some other voice acting. If you notice, even uh, most people in television, if they did voice acting on one show, they tend to have done voice acting on a lot of show. It's not like the movies where they get like somebody famous just to voice it for this one time, and then <laughs> they don't normally do a lot of voice acting. No, and also... Um- the DC animation built up quite a big talent pool that they used for a lot of stuff. You see a lot of names reoccurring through all their stuff. And really was the first time where cartoon voices kind of carried over to other projects. Like Kevin Conroy, who was Batman on the animated series, brought back. Like I said, Tim Daly was supposed to come back, but he was committed to other things. The Flash. Now this is Wally West Flash, which I was discussing with somebody the other day. It took quite a long time on this to finally them to come out and say it was actually wally west on this card yeah it's i mean we don't get that kind of the reveal or he uses his real name until like isn't it like in the second season yeah and he doesn't he doesn't act like barry allen he acts kind of like wally when he first became the flash but he wasn't acting like really how wally was at the time but it is wally west revealed later on who was created by uh, john broom and carmen infantino He's voiced by uh, Michael Rosenbaum, who everyone knows played Lex Luthor on Smallville. Oh, yeah. He gets to play a big bad guy and one of the big good guys. And he's also one of the big proponents of wanting to get the original seven voice actors together for a project. He's been real vocal about that on all his social media. So that's always cool to see. I would love to see that. Like I said, Justice League is, I think, the best superhero cartoon that's ever been made. I mean, there's been plenty of good ones, but I do think it stands out as the best one they've ever done. Oh, yeah. No, it is one of my favorites. I think they did a really great job with both seasons. Because they took so many things that other people would mess up. They even did like an evil Superman episode that's not like the crap cliche that they always do with evil Superman. They hit a nice balance between some very dark, serious episodes, some very goofy, fun ones, and they managed to juggle everybody gets to do something. Uh, In a lot of Justice League comics, it all comes down to Batman and Superman so much of the time. And they were able to kind of balance out and let everybody have a shot in the spotlight, which was nice to see. 
and also appearing the Ultra Humanite, created by Jerry Seigel and Joel Schuster, which I had known had been around for a while, but not until I did my research. I didn't realize he first appeared back in 1939. He's like one of the original supervillains. I mean, he starts out as a generic mad scientist in the 40s, but um, he was like one of the first supervillains to show up in Superman comics. Before then, it was all gangsters and mad scientists. And he sort of just got, uh, in the 70s, sort of hijacked by Roy Thomas, where he really expanded on the character and made him more the albino ape that most people yeah, Oh, yeah. In, in his run with All-Star Squadron and Infinity, Inc., he very much cemented him as a Justice Society Golden Age villain, not just a Superman villain. And over the years, he appeared, like I said, as a like in this, an albino ape. I believe he was in the body of a giant ant at one point. Yeah, in um, one of the All-Star Squadron arcs, he steals the body of a Hollywood uh, actress. He was running around in an evening gown zapping people with lasers. And in uh, John Byrne's Generations, I believe he hijacks Lex Luthor's body at some point. Yeah, he turns out to be the big bad in an arc where we all thought it was going to be Luthor, and it turned out it was him. He's voiced by one Ian Buchanan, who the most famous role I could find, he played Dick Tremaine on the television show Twin Peaks. Okay, I did not know that. I recognized the voice, but I could not remember where I had um, heard him before. More so than a lot of characters. I mean, superheroes, I think, in general, lend themselves very well to Christmas stories because it's a, you know, it's peace on earth, goodwill to men. So you can do a lot of good stuff with these guys who are inspiring hope as well as punching the shit out of bad guys, you know? So especially characters to me like Superman, for example. I kind of liked the DC Christmas stuff a little more than the Marvel. Maybe because Marvel took itself so seriously that it it really felt very clunky when they suddenly got very sweet and saccharine or tried to be goofy. Whereas DC always was a little goofy and most of their heroes were just generally nice guys. So they seemed to fit a little better into it. They were more willing to do a story where Superman teams up with Santa Claus or something like that. And this is one of the rare episodes where uh, Batman does actually not appear on this episode yeah that was weird because it didn't occur to me until like three quarters of the way through the episode that he and wonder woman i don't even think they get a mention they're nowhere near this one which it's been weird because they've done over the years some writers have been able to handle a more lighthearted batman when it comes to this but not everybody can actually pull it off no uh, people want to just do the dark serious i am the night guy and the, that's what i liked about justice league is the other heroes kind of made him relax or, or at least poked at him a little bit when they thought he was getting a little too serious so on that note we're gonna kick off our holiday season we are gonna watch justice league of america comfort and joy and we'll come back and talk about it don't go anywhere we'll be right back <clears throat> Ahoy superheroes! Celebrate Christmas on board Genting Dream for the family adventure of a lifetime. Fly like Supergirl, swim like Aquaman, climb like Catwoman, and there's so much more. Meet your favorite Justice League superheroes as you explore the best of Asia. Enjoy exciting games and activities. Sail in superhero cabins and bring home exclusive merchandise. Best of all, kids cruise free and City Card members enjoy additional $200 off. Get set for an action-packed cruise with your favorite DC superheroes on board. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. 
I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. That's the song I sing. I'd like to teach the world what singer wants to do. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Hopefully you just also watched Justice League of America, Comfort and Joy. What an episode. We're going to talk, we're going to break it down where the Justice League of America uh, celebrates Christmas. And you were just referenced on the break, uh, you think because uh, Wonder Woman would predate Christianity? Is that why they decided well, just to leave her off the show? I, I was thinking about this in that Christmas has got to be weird for this lineup because Batman's an orphan. Wonder Woman, yeah, comes from a pre-Christian society. Uh, John and Hawkgirl aren't from Earth. This means nothing to them as a holiday. Superman isn't either type. No, but he grew up here. So, you know, it has to be a weird time of year for them. From You know, there's two of them that are happy and gung-ho about it, and the rest are either, I don't want to talk about it, Christmas is sad, or they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about with this Christmas stuff. It's You have a bunch of characters that you can use to kind of get your Christmas message across through the guise of explaining Christmas to the aliens. So we open up on an alien planet that's, uh, I don't know if it's covered in snow, but it looks like it's on a collision course with the moon. That might be causing the climate change that's going on. Martian Manhunter is telepathically talking to the aliens on the planet, as well as the Justice League to try and save the day. Now, there are these little squid things that talk in kind of burbly voice. And I was just like, is that intentional? Or are they just, did they just tell the artist... Draw some weird little alien. We don't care. They always seem to be look like they're smiling all the time. Yeah, well. they're these weird kind of brain squid things, and they're just kind of yeah watching as everybody else does the work. Uh, they're building on a machine that's going to manipulate gravity. Uh, I believe there's a big field where Superman is placing this giant like round machine into the ground. Yeah, it was kind of fun to have everybody have a little moment of helping you know build the big MacGuffin that's going to push the moon out of the way. Flash is running around while uh, telling, just keep telling me the instruction telepathically and I'll make it happen. He does uh, make it happen. He, boom, turns on that button and uh, looks like the planet stabilizes. Yeah, I always like they would do this on Justice League is that they would start an episode like in the middle of, of a mission. So that I always thought that was kind of a fun thing going, oh, we're going to do this a little bit. Okay, now we're done. And now we'll go on to the main story. And they're all, they're sending telepathically their gratitude to John and I believe it was either Wally or Superman said this is a great way to kick off Christmas break. Yep, they were starting that. and Everyone was already that, oh, last day of work before the holidays. Greenland and Hawkgirl, they're going to stay behind. Uh, Martian Manhunter says that this holiday holds no meaning for him. Clark says that they're going to have to do something about that. Yes, I thought that was a nice little bit. So then we get the opening credits. We come back, and uh, John Stewart is uh, snowboarding on a on a construct made with his lantern. That was a little weird because in the in the bit before when he does the oh I'm going to hang around here, he his tone was very serious. So I'm thinking, oh, is he sad about the holidays? Does he have to go on another mission? And he just didn't want to tell them that he wanted to go snowboarding. I that just 
that was kind of an odd shift. He's having a great time, and Hot Girl asked him, what is it about this holiday that makes you shriek like a little child? At first, I was a little, it seemed a little strange when they made them a couple, but they slowly built him up, and they have a nice dynamic. He can be very serious, and she is too, but in a very different way, and she tends to nudge him loose from that stuff. They use him well to kind of explain stuff because she's like, oh, what is this earth thing you call snowballs? You know, and then we'll have these nice moments with him. By the end, I was really glad that they became a couple. I also like that hot girl is the, she is the alien that doesn't understand all of earth customs, but she's not the typical alien who has no emotions. That trope that always the alien who has no emotions doesn't understand human custom. Like she's, it's almost like she's not impressed. You know, she's kind of like, oh, that's cute. Earthlings do this. Aren't you guys funny? You know, sort of thing. So it, she has all those kind of moments where it's not like, you know, John, who is lonely and alone or, you know, struggling to understand humanity. I think she kind of gets it. She just thinks we're knuckleheads. And John references that his grandmother used to take him sledding at the park every winter, and it's the best. John, that's the thing. When they let John relax, he's a fun character. And having his favorite thing about Christmas being doing stuff in the snow was fun. That I also got a comment on Hawkgirl in her snazzy jacket. She's like the only <laughs> member of the team who puts on anything to protect her from the cold. And so she's just, yeah, has her little jacket that fits her outfit. When, I thought Jeff John said that nymph metal kept you warm. Uh, when you wore it. They're a little vague on how she works. She Because she seems, the wings seem to be attached to her. They're part of her. They're not like a harness she puts on. So they've always, they've played a little fast and loose. I mean, Hawkman history is a bit of a mess. So they kind of picked and choose a couple little things that they wanted to use. So uh, he actually uses his lantern to build a snowman, including a, a green hat. Yes, the whole winter festival thing they do was a lot of fun. And making Actually, my favorite was... Look, it's a snow angel and her who has wings, just looking at him like, yeah, I could do that. What's the big deal? That was a cute little gag. They do a couple of those with Flash and Christmas references in this episode that I kind of liked. Yes, if they've been good. And uh, the woman running the orphanage says that it's easy to be good when they're going to meet their favorite hero. I got to say, I was expecting a joke of... Flash wasn't their favorite hero. I was expecting something like that to come at that point. Well, I kind of like that in the group, he's kind of treated as like the little brother. You know, he's this little knucklehead that they let tag along. But then any episode where he goes to Central City, he's a big deal. You know, the city loves him and you see him doing all this stuff. This version of the Flash I like a lot because he's one of the few on the team who seems happy and well-adjusted. And he likes being a superhero. He doesn't have a tragic backstory. He wants to help people, and he has fun doing this stuff. And so I, I like that, when because when he's with the group, they're like, oh, this guy. And then they go to Central City, and they're all looking at him because everyone in the city is like, oh, my gosh, it's the Flash. We love him. And I just I think that's a nice little change that they took. He says, uh, don't forget the presents. Ask what they want. And uh, they show uh, on television what they want. BJ uh, Rubber Ducky. Oh, dear God. I that, think it's actually spelled Rubber Ducky. Yes. That is just any parent who has been forced to track down the popular toy of the year was having flashbacks through that thing. Because there's always that – it happens every holiday season. There's some toy that for some reason becomes crazy popular, and it's generally stupid. You know, it's a Furby or something like that. And that's what this thing is. And just when you think going, oh, my God, it's a hip-hop duck, he makes 
little farting noises. All right, so then you basically picture uh, Donald Duck wearing uh, sunglasses, a gold medallion, (laughs) um, a sideways hat. Yeah, if Vanilla Ice was a duck, it would be this guy. And does a lot of farting, which (laughs) the Flash even thinks is hilarious. Yes, that was a cute moment where he's watching the TV thing going, well, this isn't really stupid. And then he goes, okay, that bit was kind of cute. Uh, he says he's going to get it for everyone, but the woman tells him to uh, not to get their hopes up. It's sold out everywhere. Yes, his mad quest to uh, to get them, I think, is a lot of fun. I, I wish they'd kind of expanded that because and just shown him just crisscrossing the planet trying to find this duck. Uh, he says, uh, please, I made Gorilla Grodd cry. Uncle, Rubber Ducky will be no problem. Then we switch over to Smallville, Kent's farm, where... Uh, Martian Manhunter says this might be a bad idea, but uh, Superman says he's not going to let him spend the holidays alone. This is, I think, my favorite of the three segments, just because I have always been a huge fan of Clark just going back to the Kent farm when he needed to get away from it all. He's got the big fortress at the North Pole, but the, the Kent farm in Smallville is really the place he goes to just be who he is. And his parents know about all the crazy, and they take it in stride. You know, John shows up at the house, and they're like, huh, big green Martian in a cape. Yeah, sure, come on in. You like Coco? Uh, I just, I've always liked that about him. I thought it was just, it's a very nice, very, just a sweet element of his mythology. Uh, Batman uh, gets referenced here. They said that he practically begged for monitor duty. I had forgotten that bit. Yeah, I can't see Batman being a big holiday guy and, and looking for that excuse to beg off from it. Hoping that the Joker will show up and you can just go beat him up instead. <laughs> Marsh Manor says, uh, I hope this is all right. Superman, I mean, Clark, corrects himself, invited me. And uh, they welcome in. They even reference uh, where Supergirl is because if you remember Superman, the animated series, the, the Kents had kind of adopted Supergirl. I thought that was cute. I had forgotten that they'd adopted her. So when she asked, and I especially love that, it's not just she's off skiing with friends, she's off skiing with Barbara which in my brain is a reference to when she used to hang out with Batgirl all the time in the comics. So I'm figuring there's a whole other lost episode where we get to see the two of them go on an adventure somewhere. He can stay in her room because uh, she's not there. And that is the most teen girl bedroom you've ever seen. The boy band poster, everything's pink. There is just stuffed animals piled on the bed. Superman, uh, Marsh Manor says he'd never seen the side of him before. Clark says he loves coming home uh, because he can be himself. Yeah, the whole bit that people do about, oh, Clark's an alien. He's outside of of mankind. He's alone. And he's not. He is a guy who grew up in a small town in Kansas with nice parents, and he just happens to be able to fly and shoot stuff out of his eyes. I I think that is really one of the nicest versions of Superman. You hear... Pa Kent from downstairs yell, I'm going to light the tree. And Clark says, that's my job. Yes. I love so much how Clark turns into a little kid about Christmas. I think that was just a really nice bit. And the whole they have family traditions. Again, the stuff with he and Flash is really nice because everybody else, Christmas is either a sad time or means nothing to it. So to have these two guys who just love it is a lot of fun to watch. And another side thing. Is it just me? That cat is streaky, isn't it? It's supposed to be. <laughs> I was say, he hangs back in the bedroom and it looks like streaky comes in. Because, yeah, when he showed up, I'm like, I don't remember if they introduced streaky in the cartoons, but I'm pretty sure in my head, canon, that's a streaky well, cameo. It's, it's Supergirl's cat and it's orange, so you got to yeah. think it's streaky. He hisses at John and runs off. 
So we go back to the alien planet with the snowball fights continuing. At one point, uh, he's catapulting snowballs with his Green Lantern. <laughs> yes. I, I do love the snowball fight. It is so much fun. The two of them just going, being both very competitive. It just escalates to a crazy level. At one point, has multiple green arms that are throwing snowballs at her. She's knocking them with her mace, and she ends up uh, burying him in a snowbank again. Yes, it is a lot of fun. It starts out as this little kind of Charlie Brown gag, and then when you add in the superpowers, it just keeps going and going. She says she still doesn't quite get the obsession with this holiday, but she knows a planet that celebrates similar to Thanagar, the Omega Quadrant's third moon of Galtos. The planet of strippers and bar fights. You just, yeah. I, I, when they show, that shows up, I'm just like, she's taking him to vegas <laughs> so we go back to central city flash is running through traffic everywhere he goes uh there's signs that saying rubba ducky has been sold out yes and the angry mobs there's an angry mob at the store where a guy tells flash that hey that guy is hoarding rubber duckies you gotta go smack him up after multiple attempts to find it he can't he says he's going right to the source is he going to the north pole and then he goes to the factory in japan He's in Japan, and the guy says it's an honor to give the Flash their last rubber ducky. Again, outside of the Justice League, the Flash is a big deal. It's just hanging out with them. He's the knucklehead little brother. So then we go back to the cans. They're all laughing at the table. Um, they talk about how they used to uh, use lead foil to wrap <laughs> Clark's present because he likes to peek. I, I love when he goes, you mean Santa. <laughs> and there is, his folks both go, yeah, that's what we meant, Clark. Marshman under, he's holding a Santa mug. They're all drinking cocoa. They wouldn't let him go without a gift. He says he didn't bring one for them, but his presence is enough. And they give him a sweater. Yes, and I love that it's got like the little Charlie Brown pattern on it. And yeah, him in, in an ugly Christmas sweater was a lot of fun. And he says that he's going to grow into it. And he actually, uh, you know, smiles. It's, he thinks it's lovely. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's not. He doesn't have the basis for this as part of his culture, but he kind of watching him slowly get why it's important to people is really nicely done. And it's not hit you over the head done. It's just this collection of sweet little moments. We go back to the alien planet where they land, where there's a lot of hustle and bustle going on in this planet. I, I actually pause a lot through this section just to look at the alien design in the background. In one scene, there's a Hawkman from Flash Gordon walking around. The uh, Swamp Thing was in the background. Okay, yes, I did spot him. Then there's a couple aliens that I've gone, I've seen them before in old comics. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I think the lion from Flash Gordon showed up in the background as well. I think, Thane, was that yes, I think that might have been him. At first, I thought was my first thought was, is that a Thundercat? <laughs> And uh, John's like, this is where you go to relax. And I love how she shows up in this sleazy Maz Eisley bar and everybody knows her. She says not to relax, but to celebrate. Yes. It's very similar is. to like Norman Cheers, where she walks in and everybody greets her. Uh, and she's high five and everybody. But yeah, she's from a warrior culture. It's not a, you know, a dark Klingon sort of thing, but they, they fight. That's what they do. She goes up to the bartender and says, hey, is the plurb in this dive as bad as I heard? Yes, the scene where she drinks, I so want a, now that's some good flurb t-shirt. That moment just cracked me up. She double fists the flurb. She belches. She says, ah, good flurb. John gets one, but uh, it looks like it's got worms or something. I love how, yeah, John takes one sip and then kind of slides his class back going, okay, yeah, that was fun. Can we go home now? And then she says, like, one more thing 
We'll make this perfect. And it's very romantic when you think they're about to celebrate a kiss. But instead, she smashes the guy next to her with her mace. It, yeah, this is sort of the most screwed up date night you're ever going to see. And it just breaks out in a full on bar fight uh, all over the place. And I love that scene where one of the aliens gets punched, goes flying, and as it passes these two guys, one of them at the table, just for no reason, just puts down his drink and punches the guy across the table from him. Like, oh, it's that time again. This is what we got to do. They go back to Central City in the Flash Museum. There's an explosion. Was it the Flash Museum or was it just a museum? It I said was a little... museum, but I thought I saw stuff from the Flash. Okay. I wasn't sure. It was... I couldn't tell if it had gotten trashed or if it was getting attacked because it was ugly modern art. It's it's a fine line between the two. And you find out it's the ultra-humanite. He's blowing up the museum because he's very upset public funding is going to this poor excuse for art. I I really love the ultra-humanite in the animated series. He's fun in the comics. He's got a cool visual. But in the comics, he's mad scientist. He's borderline Nazi. He's There's a lot of, you know, people play up the body horror stuff. In this... He's really snobby. He's not really out to take over the world. And he's not even, as, the, as you see as the episode progresses, he's not terribly evil. He's almost like he's, I don't know, he's kind of amoral, chaotic, neutral. I don't know what you're trying to make him out. They sat down and said, okay, how do we make him not just be a gorilla groan? And they gave him a personality that's just very different from Grodd's and it works. He uh, shoots a giant clock that lands on top of Flash, says that it's... Uh Ends up being joyful Yuletide after all. Uh, he's going to shoot him, but he misses Flash and uh, pulled out the battery of his gun. Yes, uh, and I like that. Showing that Flash is not just the guy who runs fast. He, he does, he's smart because he doesn't just race out of the guy's range. As he was going by, he pulled the battery out of his gun. And, uh, he punches Ultra Hunamite who ends up landing on the duck, which really upsets Flash. And uh, he even says, what a shame, I broke your toy. It's like, hey, it was a it was a kid's present. And then which precedes some of the greatest dialogue of any cartoon I've ever seen. Where he says it's a kid's present, he says, a paltry bit of plastic and crude electronics. He'd be better off with a book. <laughs> yes. May I suggest Voltaire? And uh <laughs> Flash says, Don't you remember having your heart on getting something and not getting it? And he's like, Yes. I blame you and your cohorts in the Justice League for that. And then he goes, I'm talking about Christmas. And then, oh, that garnish hollow charade. Force jolity on every lip. Insincere goodwill in every heart. Tidings of comfort and joy indeed. And then we get our title drop. I gotta say, uh, the dialogue just is amazing. <laughs> He's a, he is a fun character. I'm glad they uh, brought him back a couple times. And uh, Flash just gets really mad. He says, for a creep that claims to personify human advancement, you uh, you think you know about passing goodwill, like especially to kids. And he's hoping by doing this, these kids will pass goodwill on to others. Yes. And then he has the moment where he's like, oh, I guess go ahead. Shoot me if you're going to. I can't feel any worse. And he says, as you wish. <laughs> and, <bam. laughs> and I love that when he wakes up in the workshop, you know, ultra humanites helping him. And Flash is like, why, why did you hit me? And instead, I thought he was going to go with, well, I didn't didn't want you to know where my secret headquarters was. He just goes, you hit me first. <laughs> you know, it's like I owed you one. He says that uh, your words, uh, I don't even know how to say this word, jijon, jijon, your words jijon though they were, did not fall on deaf ears. I appreciate the sentiment behind them. Uh, yeah, they call a truce for the holiday. 
He's positive that he's building the rubber ducky to blow up. Yeah, he's just building a death trap. He says, uh, Flash, it's Christmas. And Ultrahuman's like, why'd you hit me? I mean, Flash asks why he hit me. And he says, hey, you hit me first. That's a great little moment. The dialogue between the two of them is a lot of fun. We go back to Smallville and Martian Manhunter is invisible. He's observing the Kents in action, washing dishes, getting ready. Clark still using his x-ray, x-ray vision. vision to try and look at the presents. I, I love that. And even comments that uh, they're still wrapped in lead. Yep. His parents are not stupid people. He goes downtown. He actually turns into uh, John Jones, uh, which yep. didn't happen very often on the No, uh, he didn't. Every now and then he'd impersonate a human, but he it wasn't until I think like Justice League Unlimited that he developed a human identity that he spent time in. Um, he waves to some people saying Merry Christmas. Uh, he sees the diners, a lot of all p- sort of people having a good time. Yeah, this is, like I said, a nice little bit in that there are no big dramatic moments. He just observes the nice little things happening. Even the bit with the kid isn't overdone. You know, he doesn't shape shift into Santa. He just does just enough to get the little girl's attention and make her think Santa is there. You know, he walks on the roof, he takes a cookie, an Oreo, obviously, because he's the Martian Manhunter, and then the little scene with the church. It's just nice little scenes. It is a little odd. I'm not, uh, it's nice, but weird. Like, here's the little girl, you know, saying that stupid Tommy saying Santa's not real, and he'll prove it when he eats the cookies. Is he, like, listening to people at all times, or is it just because she's in the vicinity? That was a little weird bit, because you would think if he was doing that, we would be hearing a whole chorus of voices. And then that one would get his attention. But for some reason, that one was just what caught his, I don't know, his eye, his mind, whatever you want to call it. You see him, uh, you hear him make a little yummy sound after he eats the Oreo. <laughs> yes, that was very cute. Where he takes it and then, yeah, as he's going up the chimney, you hear that, hmm. And this is before that stupid storyline where they revealed the Oreos were like a drug to the Martian Manhunter. Oh, that was in the comics. That was that stupid. Horrible, yeah. dumbass thing <laughs> So then they go back to the bar fight, and John's like, John Stewart's like, this is insane. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, isn't it great? She's choking someone. Green Lantern gets smacked again. It's uh, really ridiculous. Um, and then they go back to Central City where uh, Santa Flash shows up in the <laughs> orphanage. He's wearing the Flash suit, but he's got the Santa hat and uh, beard. Ultraman might think it's ridiculous, but he's his sidekick, Freaky the Snowman. Yes, and he makes him wear the top hat <laughs> because that, that works. And I'm like, I get it. He's the abominable snowman from the Rudolph cartoon. And uh, he gives him the toy, uh, but Flash is still a little nervous that it might blow up. But instead, uh, it turns on and starts telling the story of the Nutcracker. Yes, and I thought that was sweet where there's that moment where the kids are like, uh, what is this? And then as they start listening to the story, they start kind of sitting down and it just, yes. And I, I'm hoping that it's just loaded with Christmas stories and it's just them sitting around while the duck just tells them every Christmas story that the ultra human I could think of. And Flash says, you liked it better when it made the poopy noises, but this is good too. <laughs> yes, that's a cute moment. That, the other thing that's kind of cute about this episode is there's a couple moments where the ultra humanite is almost talking about his childhood. Yep. And, and in the cartoon, I don't think they ever reference how he got that way. So there's no backstory there. And he stops himself just short. So you're like, was, was he a person? Did he put his brain in this body? Is he a super evolved ape? You know, where is this story going? It just kind of keeps it kind of, oddly mysterious where this guy came from 
Yeah, and he puts the lights onto the tree and he just sort of sits and observe it. And you can see in the background, Flash taking a back look and smiling. <laughs> when his head pokes around, he has that, I knew it, look on his face. And then we go back to the alien bar and everybody's lying out cold. Uh, John and his looks beat up at him and Hot Girl, are, they're actually like lying next to the big alien that they started the fight with. Yep. She leans in on the cheek, kisses John on the cheek and says, Merry Christmas. Yes, it was very cute. Like I said, I, the idea that they were both taking turns showing how they celebrate to the other one. It's just, yeah, it's the weirdest date night. <laughs> and they go back to Smallville. Clark wakes up all excited because it's Christmas morning. They go to a scene where you can see Martian Manhunters in his true alien form. He's got Streaky in his lap patting him. And yeah, he's singing in, uh, in Martian. Yeah, Martian Carol or something. Very nice. And uh, they said... Oh, and he said he didn't bring us a gift. Yes. And they end. Justice League of America, comfort and joy. Again, just a really nice, sweet, low-key episode. You know, they have the bit where oh, we're going to save this planet in the beginning, but the rest is just this collection of really nice moments. And I, it really works very well. I've always enjoyed comics and cartoons where with superheroes where they do episodes or issues where they take a step back and every now and again the whole world isn't in danger and we get a glimpse into the actual lives of these characters oh yeah it's always been a lot of fun when after some big epic you know they don't do it as much now because it just seems like so many comics are just going from epic to epic to epic but back in the day they would have that where you did a big arc and you saved the world from you know whatever the red skull or the martians or whatever and then you'd have an issue or two of just smaller stories sometimes it was a breather where the heroes weren't doing, you know, much, or it was just a little case going back to, oh, hey, sometimes just a villain robs a bank. Well, the problem now, especially with DC, is they hardly have any ongoing comics. Everything's like a miniseries, or then it's done and then relaunched with the number one. Or anybody who's doing it is doing a big arc. They they have a year-long story planned. There's no breaking that up. There's very few. A few of them have like a big arc, with like little stories in the middle to kind of break up the big thing, but it's not as much as it used to be. Everything is, you know, a six-part story. Nobody does done-in-ones anymore. There you have it, Justice League of America, comfort and joy. We're going right to the spectrometer. All right, it's been a while since we've been on the show. I don't know if you remember the spectrometer. It's where we rank what we just saw, zero spectros being horrible, Four Spectros being you don't get any better. What are you going to rank? Justice League of America, comfort and joy. Oh, this is a four. This is definitely a four. It's just, it's a good Christmas episode. It's a good Justice League episode. Everybody gets something to do. There's these nice little moments. The three stories are different enough from each other that if you, you're like, uh, I don't really like this one very much, but the other one will, will get your attention. I, I just think this is a near perfect episode from them. Uh, this is going to be a rare time where I'm going to go right with you. I'm going four as well. I, I think this is perfect. It's great if you look at it as a Christmas episode. It's great if you look at it as a Justice League episode. It's great that you look at it as a interlude, like Day in the Life type episode. And because, unlike the MCU, not every villain is a misunderstood guy, Ultra Humanite showing a, be a, a nicer side stands out a little bit more because there's plenty of other evil villains in the DCU. Oh, yeah. they had a, he, That's what I liked about him is they had a lot of guys who were just evil, and that was their thing. And, but they had a couple that were in kind of a gray area, and he is a fun character that way. They do Superman especially, the way he's supposed to be done. 
Yes, their version of Superman is one of my favorites. They They're, take two aliens that aren't used to Earth customs, but they adjust them in completely different ways, which is, you know, not many people can do well nowadays, especially on the same episode. Oh, that's the thing. Every story is about encountering somebody and kind of showing them a little bit of the meaning of Christmas. It's just, it's done in very different ways. And just not sound corny. It's just good, especially in the, uh, oh, wait, a lot of things. It's, it's sweet and pleasant without being the overly jokey that seems to be shoved down our throat in today's superhero culture. Oh, yeah. You could easily play this along with, you know, the Grinch and Charlie Brown. You know, put it on your playlist of Christmas episodes and specials. And uh, we also discussed in 2021, if a child came across Justice League, comfort and joy. What do you think? They enjoy it? Oh, yeah, I think so. The first series is really nicely done. Um, and Justice League Unlimited is, is just nuts for how many concepts they put in. And I think this would be a lot of fun for a kid because, again, it's a mix. I think any kid would love that snowball fight. I watched it with my stepson when well, he's 15 now, but he wasn't when we watched it. I think he was 12 and he liked it. We're going to rewatch it as part of our Christmas rotation. I don't see any reason, especially a kid who's into superheroes, would not enjoy this episode. No, I think it's a nice mix of it's, it's a Christmas episode without being sicky sweet. And it's a good superhero story. I think, yeah, I think they really did a nice job with this one. And a great kickoff to our month of Matt Spectra through the Christmas verse. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> what did you think out there? Did you like it as much? Well, you couldn't have liked it better than we did, but did you like it as much as us? Did you like it less? That's great. If, uh, if you didn't like it as us, that's okay. We can't take that away from you. I question if you have a soul, though, if you did not enjoy this episode. But go to my social media. I always like to hear from you. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. You can go to my Facebook page, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. And I always want to hear from you. I always give people opportunity to plug anything if you want. So do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yep. If you guys want to not just hear my brilliant um, dialogue, but some of my written word, I have a bunch of stuff published at um, blackcoatpress.com. I'm in their Tales of the Shadow Man anthology. And you can always find me on Goodreads for more dazzling reviews of books and comics. All right, and if you could uh, follow me on Twitter, like I said, I'm at Matt Spectro. If you could follow and like my Facebook page, I'd appreciate it. If you could smash the subscribe button on my podcast. If you have any suggestions for Christmas-themed episodes, get them in quick because uh, the clock is running out. We're doing a month of Christmas episodes, so get them in there. I want to hear from you. If anybody else wants to be on the show as a listener, please contact me. I'm always looking for new guests. Trav, any final thoughts on Justice League of America? Comfort and joy. No, it's just one of the best episodes of one of my favorite uh, superhero cartoons. I think it's uh, well worth watching. I hope you liked it. Tune in again next week. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Come back next week. Happy holidays. Excelsior.